to Storyboard. I'm Lars. I'm Meg. And today we have a very special guest with us to talk about 2018, the highs, the lows. And uh, we're going to pitch a movie that I'm very excited about. And then we're going to talk about things we're looking forward to in 2019. Pull up a chair, baby. So 2018 is dragging itself broken and bruised across that uh, finish line into our new hell year. <laughs> and we are talking about some of our uh, notable film experiences for the year with our very special guest, Hannah Piper Burns. Aside from being a very close friend of both of ours, Hannah is an experimental filmmaker and multimedia artist based in Portland who also wrote for Fandor.com up to its recent demise. And R. Hannah... R. <laughs> rip. <laughs> Let her rip. Pouring <laughs> one out. <laughs> and Hannah, you also have a podcast in the works at the moment. That's true. With underemployment comes a <laughs> podcast, inevitably. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I have one in the works called Stars and Roses that will be Ooh. recapping The Bachelor and The Bachelorette and Bachelor in Paradise uh, through the lens of astrology or like with an astrological twist. So it will be discussing cast members' placements and how those dynamics um are playing out in the, all of the drama. And that will be starting uh, probably early in 2019. Ooh. So we need the charts for every... <laughs> so twenty. So what is the next season starting? It's The Bachelor? Yeah, the next season will be The Bachelor. It starts in, I think, around January 21st. Mm -hmm. And uh, The Bachelor is an Aquarius, which is going to be fun for nobody. <laughs> Just a real uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so I will be both looking up contestant birthdays, which will uh, give some really basic sun sign info, mm -hmm. but hopefully getting more detailed info on placements, uh, specifically Venus and Mars, which we know uh, ruling <laughs> because the, men and women are from said planet. Exactly. Okay, it's, and The Bachelor is nothing if not <laughs> hyper binary. So. <laughs> Makes sense. Thanks for having me, y'all. Oh, yeah. Oh, we wanted our very first guest to be very special. Ones, yes. So. Well, you, you did good. <laughs> you really <laughs> you nailed it. You've done right. <laughs> well, uh, you want to start, Hannah? Like, tell us some of your notable uh, 2018 films or shows. Totally. Um, I had uh, a couple of different themes that I saw emerging looking back at some of the films I loved the most from this past year. And those themes were uh, near future slash basically already happening. So speculative fiction that's kind of closer closer to home than not. Mm -hmm. uh, we saw that, of course, with Boots Riley's debut feature, Sorry to Bother You, which is a triumph, in my humble opinion. Uh, also in Assassination Nation, which is directed by Sam Levinson. Um, it's a film that's definitely not going to win any Oscars, but <laughs> I think is a really important film to watch. And it stars like a whole host of uh, up and coming 
stars and influencers, among them Bella Thorne, Hari Neff, Suki Waterhouse, mm-hmm. Odessa Young, uh, Abra, who's also one of my favorite uh, recording artists, and Joel McHale. Uh, and Bill Skarsgård. <laughs> Whoa, yeah. the Skars. He is in the mix. And the Skarsgård, not mad about it. <laughs> Bring it on. Um, yeah, there's there's a new Skarsgård in town. There is just move every over Eric the Viking. <laughs> and then I noticed, oh, and also I Am Not a Witch, which was the debut feature from Rungano Nioni, and it's set in Zambia. It's a fantastic mm. film that... The, the sense of humor is bone, bone, bone dry, but it's about a eight or nine-year-old girl who is accused of witchcraft in her village and sent to a witch camp where uh, it's mostly older women. It's all, actually, it's all right, older okay. women, so she's the, she's the one child, um, and it's about her adventures, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, in, her, in her life. Uh, after being basically tried and convicted as a witch. Uh, It's a fantastic film. And it actually, the director based it on actual experiences going to some of these uh, camps that exist in Zambia and, I believe, Ghana. Um, So they're like witch re-education camps? Well, in the movie, it's more like a tourist attraction. Well, they do oh. manual labor, and then they're also sort of a tourist attraction. Okay. So people come and uh, tour the witch camp. Uh, so there are a lot of really amazing scenes with, like, white tourists. Mm. Um, and it's uh, it almost has a... a well, it's magical realism, but it's also sort of an, a, a deep absurdity of like government and corruption and all these sort of things seen through the, the eyes of this innocent. Uh, and it's a fa- it's a fantastic film. So it's sort of a it's it's taking something that already exists and like kind of ratching it up okay, a couple gotcha. of notches. Uh, and then the other um, theme I really saw was sort of this motherhood, the horror of motherhood. Uh, and kind of looking at it unflinchingly. And we saw that in everything from uh, the excellent Madeline's Madeline by Josephine Decker, which stars Miranda July, Molly Parker, and uh, Helen Howard. And Okwi Okpokwasili, who just got a MacArthur Genius oh, oh. Uh, grant. She's a choreographer. Mm. Uh, we saw it in Hereditary. We saw it in Tully, which is Jason mm. Reitman, um, Diablo Cody, Charlize Theron starring. And um, obviously, hereditary. Did I say hereditary just now? Well, it's worth it it saying twice. It's worth saying twice. And then, of <laughs> course, <laughs> Suspiria, which is part of the, you know, three, three well, mothers. The remake or, of the three. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's this, I just saw this theme of motherhood yeah. coming mm. up kind of over and over again, yeah. which I thought was really interesting. Tony um, Collette is the scariest mom I've seen <laughs> in a while in yeah. hereditary. <laughs> the scariest parts of that movie for me were absolutely not the parts that oh, you not the supernatural parts. Yeah, the right? fight, yeah this, this, it was the fights yeah. that really. It was like that dinner table scene, like yeah. silences, and the yeah, that awkwardness. Those were the parts <laughs> where I was like gripping my seat in anxiety. Not yeah. so the supernatural parts were not really that scary at all mm-hmm. to me. It was really that like dynamic. I mean, especially when spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. When the kid <laughs> comes home after. His sister is dead, and just like the anxiety like. of like, 
what did, did you do? Yeah. That actually felt so real, and that made it scarier. Yeah. So, for some Somehow that was the most uh, authentic to me feeling part of that part of that yeah. movie. In Hereditary, yeah, it's sort of this this rage. Uh, and in Tully, it's like a de- it's de- detachment. It's mm-hmm. like an utter lack of, and that's kind of what postpartum is. It's like yeah. the utter absence of all the things you're supposed to be feeling. And then in Madeline's Madeline, it's almost a fear mm. or a yeah, lack of understanding and a fear. And and just a lot of really courageous performances by, you know, Tony Collette, Charlize Theron, Ma- Miranda July, these like high powered actors who are willing to go there. Yeah. Did either of you see the kindergarten teacher? Oh, with, with Maggie, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal. Oh, I thought you meant kindergarten cop for a second. I was like, what are you talking <laughs> about? Quick segue. So, <laughs> anyway, back to the best film ever made. Kindergarten <laughs> cop. Uh, yeah. No. Um, I've not seen. Yeah, Maggie Gyllenhaal no. is a mother and frustrated teacher who okay, wants, okay. who so desperately wants to have this nurturing role towards what she perceives as genius that things get real off the rails, and it's. Not a direct correlation, but I do think there's kind of this strange disassociative departure from reality based on this, like, nurturing drive that goes, like, way haywire. Well, one could argue that Suspiria is also, in some ways, totally. uh, that relation, yeah. a, a, a surrogate parent kind of perverse yes. uh, power dynamic. Well, um, were there any more on your list, or...? Oh, I just wanted to quickly throw out Disobedience, just uh, best sex scene for me of 2018 (laughs) would be Rachel Weisz Mm. and Rachel McAdams uh, tearing off their Hasidic wigs (laughs) and giving way to uh, a decades-long boiling passion. (laughs) Forbidden passion. Forbidden love, as always. Yeah. It's a bummer. You know, it's one of those why do the queer stories always have to be why does it always have to be these stories of like oppressed, uh, you know, queer queerness? Um, and Rachel Weiss is also a photographer, which I feel like is like you want to put a lesbian in your movie, yeah. you just like put a camera in her hand. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> like high art, isn't that? Isn't one of yeah, them? yeah, one of them is a photographer in that movie. Oh. But overall, a really interesting film. Yeah, I haven't. That one is actually on my to watch list. Yeah, nice. Well, that segues into the favorite. Uh, so, Meg, you just I just saw, saw it. You know, Rachel Vice and lesbian <laughs> relationship barely uh, yeah. two hours ago. Yeah, nay, two Not hours yeah. ago. <laughs> yeah, so that was one on, on my list. Did you wanna? I don't know. Yeah, what are my immediate fresh thoughts? thoughts? Uh, so, I this filmmaker, I loved. I loved his first two films, and then I have not liked anything since. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was. But I love all the I love Olivia Coleman and mm-hmm. Rachel Weisz yes. and Emma Stone. Uh, not so much, but her accent honestly was like surprising that I didn't clock it. I was like, oh wait, she's had a British accent yeah. this whole time. Anyway, so that surprised me. I'm like, hey, props, so I was man. yeah. So I was coming into it. I thought the trailer looked great. Um, I was there as much fisheye lens as well, the trailer I, made fisheye it. Fisheye was really. I do um, not care for that. I don't yeah, like it. The, the fisheye was very weird. Um, so yes, there was a lot of fish eye. <laughs> it was sort of a love triangle dynamic. Yeah. 
I I feel like a fisheye is appropriate for, for like drinking out of probably like lead pipes and uh, probably like also being mildly you, drunk. You have gout. Everyone has gout, gout and they're eating cake and like throwing up and it makes me those are, sad. Those, that was actually my, so my, I will say my favorite parts of the film were the parts where Olivia Coleman is just really leaning into like the debasement of being this queen yeah. and like eating really rich foods and yeah. like having her servants bring over things so she can vomit and then eat again and just really like living in that role. I mean, I those royals is just like, I'm a Habsburg baby. Something's not right. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to eat a bunch of weird cake and throw up. And yeah. Oh man. I yeah. call that Tuesday. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, see, I, I did like it. He, the director did not write it, which I think is why it was better. Speaking, I was going to say, speaking of food stuff, is uh, Killing a Sacred Deer. You said you did not care for that, and I didn't either, because every time I think of it, I think of that kid being spaghetti, and I'm like, throw, <laughs> speaking of, I just want to throw up. So, sorry, I just have a food. Very vis- <laughs> he has, he, he has food issues. Visceral food things, actually. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, but well, it's oh, interesting that he didn't sure. write it, because he's, Lanthimos has this, like, very mannered yeah. dialogue yeah. that... I didn't actually see the lobster, but in Dogtooth and Killing of a Sacred Deer, it's like this, you know, very particular kind of stilted. Yeah, and that so that's not really present in the not at all, not at all. Um, It's much more like like psychological realism in terms of the acting. I would say in the favorite, I don't know if you would agree that um, it just felt more natural. I love Olivia Coleman all day. I want her to. I don't care awards. Sophie Oscar. from Peep Show yeah, is how she's I always feel like good. <laughs> she's, yeah. she's doing her thing. I mean, it actually wasn't as over the top as I was expecting it to be. I actually thought it really um, held back. Like, the tension never mm-hmm. built up as much as I was anticipating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm still unpacking the ending. We don't talk about it, I guess, for... I don't know if you call it a spoiler. It just kind of, sort of ends, but I don't know if I really quite get what he was getting what he at was with getting those at. last yeah. few shots, but... We can talk about it looked that it looked time. very pretty. It was well acted. It's not going on any list for me of yeah. low light or highlight. Mm. Yeah, it's I don't know. I I appreciated it. I but liked it's it. Not as painful to watch as his previous films. Least painful watch. <laughs> Le- oh, I would say hey, that's least a cool quote. Painful, <laughs> <yeah>. Poster. <laughs> least painful watch. <laughs> if you thought you couldn't do it, you hey. might be able to. <laughs> Lamp the most lights. Yes, it is. <laughs> but on the most painful of watches for you, Suspiria. Suspiria was Suspiria Should we do it? I drank it. Should among... we throw down the gauntlet? Yeah, I think we have to do a we have to have a mini Suspiria bowl of like it was probably my lowest low light. It's <laughs> your lowest I mean, interestingly enough, Bad Times at the El Royale was the same duration. They are the same length. Mm. And it was one of those where I was like, I watched uh, watched Bad Times for work. Uh, I'd sort of taken it on because I was just, I was like, well, we'll see how this goes. And then I was like, well, I guess I have to watch Suspiria. If I sat through <laughs> two and a half hours of this, I pretty much have to go see Suspiria. You know, but yeah, I would... I, I got aside with Meg on this one. It was a oh, no. it was a low light. It was yeah. a low light for mm. me. And it's unfortunate because there for me at least there were these 
grains in there of yes. of uh, promise. Yes, that made it almost worse. Like there, it just seemed like so much wasted potential. And on and on that durational note, you know, I, it wasn't the duration that I had a problem with. It was how it was used. Yeah, and what was well, it was way too long for sure. It could have been well, it could have been the same length, minutes. but the amount of time. I mean, thirty to forty minutes of it was the subplot with the doctor which yeah was no okay that i will agree that take literally delete it like <laughs> let me re-edit it like that scene. like uh scene. soderbergh is always re-editing things yeah. i'm like here you go just <laughs> well, delete that out. i'm and, fine with that but that's deeply troubling to me because not only was it it wasn't a subplot actually because it the movie ended on his yeah, story that's true. It, it was did. not a subplot i think it could still get cut and the movie would be better for it. Yeah. But I thought a fundamental flaw of that movie was framing it through the experience through of eyes. that character. That it is a good point. Bomb my shit out. Well, you know, it's like, does this white Italian man, like, is he really the person to make this movie he's describing as this feminist art piece, which is really, like, what yeah, went around That's a good point, because I love it. a lot of, like, 70s, like, erotica. Yeah. And then, I mean, 99, 100%. Let's yeah. just say 100% of it is made by these, like, kind of probably pervy, yeah. I don't, you know, um, like, European, white European directors. I would prefer pervy and, 70s erotica yeah. to self-proclaimed feminist nonsense, problem. honestly. Like, honest, and, and tying it back to Mandy... Which was another, I mean, it was a low for me, but it was also, in in thinking back on it, you know, I was unfair in my viewing of it at first because Mandy isn't trying to be anything other than, like, an elevated heavy metal I was just going to yeah, say, like, situation. A, like, a, like yeah. a fashionable version of a stoner rock, like a pitchfork stoner rock heavy metal <laughs> well, it's just album. pure image. I mean, yeah. that's what it is. Yeah, these yeah images. It, that's, it, that's it's what it's doing. It's and not that's what I was champagne kisses and bong water drinks. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and I was mad at Mandy because it hewed so closely to genre conventions that for me it f- I was like why am I here yeah you know to watch this movie again except dressed up in a different very compelling aesthetic uh and looking back on it it's sort of like okay that's not fair you know to the intentions of of Panos Cosmatados Cosmatos the director Whereas Suspiria had all of these pretensions and sort of uh, aspirations to be not just a feminist film, but political. And all the in those ways, Meinhof yeah, the, the Bitter Meinhof stuff. See, to me, that was more wall. of a specificity of location, which I appreciate when something's not just like, well, it's universal. It's, it's any town USA kind of thing. You know, I kind of like a specificity of time and place. So but I guess why? that's why. For what? Towards what purpose? You know, what what is that specificity serving in the concept in a in the in a conceptual way? And it felt it's like we see that wall. It's like wall, the wall, and yeah. don't forget, here's the, the wall. wall. The wall's right here. It's like why, 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 why is that? And for me, like again, talking about like mother mother stuff, the relationship between Tilda Swinton and Dakota Johnson in that movie and this idea of the mentor and the student framed through this like amazing peanut Bausch, Martha Graham, mm-hmm. um, again, aesthetic and choreography, that to me felt like 
what could have been the heart of yeah, the film. Yeah, I agree. And was just kind of squandered or like used in service of... Um, a lot of threads. There were a lot of uh, threads, like historical threads and big thematic threads that they pulled at that just didn't ever... It wasn't... To what end? There's no so what there, See, I guess. I thought it was about women calling out women. I guess that's what I, how I saw it. I mean, I guess it was like this... Re- I don't know if you call it revenge, but this sort of like... Because spoilers, spoilers, obviously, and all this, but like, I guess I thought, and I can't believe I'm saying it, Dakota Johnson, you know, anyways, but like, I'm not a fan of hers, but I guess I saw her as like this overarching, like, womanness, like, womanhood, and she was like, hey, bitches, you were, you're evil witches, you know, instead of being good witches, and fuck you, you know, to, to hell. So I don't know, I guess I saw it like that, like, it was like women checking other women. I guess that's how I saw it. I don't know. I think, I guess for me, just because a film passes sort of like a Bechdel test and that you have some themes about relationships between women doesn't make it like I don't think it was actually about anything it just felt very aesthetic to me um it felt for me as though Guadagnino was like I'm Italian. I know. I know Suspiria. I'm. I can remake this. I can do. And P.S. I know the crap out of women. <laughs> yeah. And so it was just sort of like a a little paint by numbers to me. It was a paint by numbers of a prestige sort of horror remake. And I also have a lot of questions about why one would waste all this goodwill that, like, all this kind of buzz you have built up from your previous films, which I don't like any of them. <laughs> but why you would waste that on remaking a movie that's already got like it's it's in living memory it's very recent i don't know why you would try a sort of to drain it of color and drain it of some of the life and then that's like that's your that's what you're gonna do i think i'm a weirdo and i love i kind of secretly love when someone has the the chutzpah or whatever to remake a perfect film i don't know i kind of appreciate the 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 courage or the boldness of that and i guess i didn't see it as like a straight up remake it was more of i guess I don't know, it like was, a spiritual sister kind of, I don't know, not a sequel, but like a in an alternate universe or something. I don't know. Like, I, I guess I'm a weirdo that I, if someone's like, I'm remaking a perfect film, I'm like, do it. I might I as mean, well. I don't know. So one of my, my absolute favorite movie of 2018 could be considered, it, it's, a, it's a straighter movie. It is a spiritual remake, basically, of Winter Light. First Reformed is just like a reworking, mm. I would say, of oh, Winter right. Light. And that is my number one movie of 2018 really? See, that I, I have a lot you, to say about. I thought you would hate it because Ethan Hawke. I thought no. you were an Ethan Hawke I'm not. Okay. And I actually don't really like Paul Schrader. Uh, So, yeah, first reform. I want to hear your thoughts. That is one of the bleakest movies. It was. So, I can just say that it is, for me, it blew everything else I saw in 2018 out of the water. He loves to do these sort of academic exercise films, I think. Although, I really, I was talking to a coworker about this, and I really have to. It really changed my appreciation for both Ethan Hawke and Schrader. I was like, mm. am I, have I been missing <laughs> something? Because I just thought it was the most gorgeous film. It's like his own exercise in transcendental style, which he wrote a book mm. about in the 70s. Yeah. It's something that he's very interested in. I think this film, like I said, is kind of, it It takes all the a lot of elements of Winterlight and reworks it. Um, I think there's also a real influence from The Sacrifice, that Tarkovsky, that mm. 80s Tarkovsky movie. Mm. Um, so, first reformed, Ethan Hawke is a minister of the small historic church in upstate New York, and he becomes increase- increasingly wrapped up in despair after he gets involved with this couple. 
the husband of which is racked by this crushing sense of doom brought by his deep knowledge of research into climate change and environmental collapse. Mm. So it subs the fear of nuclear annihilation that's in winter light for what I consider a far more plausible and immediate fear of complete environmental apocalypse. So um, the existential moral crisis of the movie is centered on the what's now been coined as ecological grief which is something that um, for me this year is like my, <laughs> is the main sentiment in which I have been sort of immersed and marinating. Which makes the Pantone color of the year living coral even more <laughs> of like a yes. just a kind of Wow. <laughs> so uh, ecological grief is a term that was coined by the researchers Ashley Consulu and Neville Ellis, and they both work with severely climate change affected communities. Um, Consolo with uh, communities in the Inuit communities in northern Canada and Ellis with uh, farming communities in Western Australia. And so they have an article out this year called Ecological Grief as a Mental Health Response to Climate Change Related Loss. And they describe it as the grief felt in relation to experienced or anticipated ecological losses, such as the dying coral. Um, including the loss of species, ecosystems, and meaningful landscapes due to acute or chronic environmental change. So that's really the the grief that this film centers around. Harsh realm, man. It is a real, it's a real harsh, <laughs> harsh realm. realm. Anyway, I think the so the researchers who coined the term ecological grief don't see it as this um, mechanism of submitting totally to despair or just totally cutting oneself off from it. And I think this film actually speaks to that because the ending of First Reformed is all about this ecstatic moment of grace at the very depth of this um, resolute grief. And I think that lines up with Strader's ideas about transcendental style, but then it also just speaks to a larger thing um, that we've all been experiencing this year. Uh, I read this really fantastic essay uh, a couple days ago by Alexander Chi, who's a novelist and essayist, who's one of my favorites. And uh, the essay was on why grieve, as in the verb to grieve, uh, is the word of the year. And uh, his argument is that we do not need to lose ourselves in grief. Uh, in 2018, but it's more to be willing to live in the process of grieving. So grieving people we have lost, um, grieving for a future that is not going to come. Um, But in that, keeping living for the things we have lost and trying to um, salvage what we can and try try to be there for the people that we love and the things that we love. Um, And I think that essay really resonated with me, partially because I just watched one of my other favorites that I watched Ooh. this year, BPM or Beats Per Minute, mm. which came out in 2017, but I didn't see it until this year, directed by Robin Campillo. And it centers on a core group of activists in Paris ACT UP in the early 90s. And I knew a lot more about ACT UP in the US, um, but I didn't know that ACT UP Paris had this huge cultural impact in Europe. And it was co-written by Campillo and Philippe Mangiot, who both were early like founding members of Paris ACT UP in the 90s. And it depicts a lot of the nitty gritty of organizing and activism, but it really centers the love and friendship among those activists. And I think that it's a really gorgeous representation of love and solidarity in a time of just, I mean, catastrophic loss. 
and I really had to work my way up to watch it emotionally. That's why it took me. I had known about it since it came out, but I was like, I don't know if I can handle this movie. All I can say is that everyone was talking about Call Me By Your Name as this great queer movie of 2017, but that crown really belongs to Beats Per Minute, um, which I thought was so honest about sex and love and trying to survive when it feels like the fucking end of the world. And I just thought it was so gorgeous. I love this quote by Philippe Mangio. Uh, In an interview, he said, Act Up was the sexiest group in the world. I mean, we spent a lot of time in hospitals and in cemeteries, but at the same time, we were young and beautiful and in love. Mm. So since we are living in these <laughs> these these days, these last days, the Anthropocene, uh, I think I'm very interested in films that allow us to work through those emotions and um, realize that death is coming, fight like hell, and be free. That's a perfect segue into another one of my um, favorites or notables <clears throat> of this year. You Were Never Really Here by Lynn Ramsey. Mm -hmm. And it is pretty much about the sad chaos of violence. So most, you know, like, you know, if you got a guy with, like, a weapon and, like, a revenge, you know, it's like, okay, I'm seeking revenge. I got to find this this young girl. And I got to seek revenge on this guy that's that's sliding her or whatever, you know. And we're like, okay, we've seen that a million times. Yeah, if you run it on paper. You're like, no, that's a never watch. But... Um, Lynn Ramsey is amazing and so it ends up being like first of all Joaquin Phoenix who I usually never really think about but he his physicality is so great because he basically kind of walks almost like he's just like a primate but he has this like hulking sadness to yeah, him yeah he does his body is so different than it was he's and, a like, sorrow obelisk <laughs> yeah well like in the master his physicality obelisk <laughs> His physicality and, like, the master is so different. It's so perfectly 40s. Um, anyway, so I was just thinking about that. But it kind of builds to this ending. And so, again, in all movies have taught us, it's like, okay, it's a... Vi- it's a I mean, first of all, all the violence is off screen. So I, I love when someone can treat violence in that way of, like, it's not something to be glorified. It's awful. Yeah. You don't want to see it. But in the end, he's going through this house trying to find... Um, I, I'm like a baby, so it's like object permanence problem where I'm like, okay, I can't remember everything. James and I were trying to talk about it last night. Where I was like, what happened in that movie? Tell me everything. So from what he's I can, going to from find what that. can remember, he's trying to find the girl in this house of this. Uh, it's basically PizzaGate. Uh, for real, no. Um, he's looking for this young girl in this house, and so he finally finds the girl in the room uh, of the of the older like, rich man that's that's taken her, and so he thinks there's gonna this confrontation. The weapon in hand, ready for a rumble. And, I mean, spoiler alert, skip 15 seconds. Um, the girl has killed the guy in this really awful fashion. And so it's like, it just goes to show, like, you didn't see that happen. You think you're going to get this moment of, like, yeah, the man's coming in to save the day. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's just like the girl had to do it. She's going to be traumatized for her whole life for everything that's happened yeah. in this. And there's just such a weird, it's just very jarring because you're yeah. used to these, these beats and these moments in these movies, like, kind of, like, taken. And uh, and then it's the opposite of that. It's just, like, you're left with this really, like, sadness that, like, violence is chaos. It's not this clean movie plot. It's it's chaos. Anyway, so that was just, like, really shook me. And I, I need to see it again. Um so, yeah, that was a big one for me, and that, as I was mentioning, Taken actually reminds me um, of, like, a little aside. There is this um, Liam Neeson movie that um, is, no one talks about, and I can't believe I like this movie, but it's called A Walk Among Tombstones. It came out a few years ago, and actually, to call back to The Master as well, I believe it's the the cinematographer from The Master. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's like an actually, like, it's a, it's a very similar story in a way, like, where you think Liam Neeson, he's going to be, like, 
you know, uh, knocking heads together and whatever, <laughs> saving the day or whatever. And it's actually really, like, sad. Mm. And, and I hate to say beautiful, but it's got, like, a sad chaos to the violence in it or lack thereof. Anyway, it's actually worth a watch. Um, just something that made me, uh, that tied into what we were talking walk about. Walk Among Tombstones. Walk Among Tombstones. I think that's what it's called. I didn't Google it before <laughs> this. <laughs> yeah. One of my 2018 favorites that I don't feel like I heard enough about was The Miseducation of Cameron Post. Oh, yeah. Um, um, with Chloe Grace Moretz. Uh, it's the it's more of a spiritual heir to But I'm a Cheerleader. I know there was, like, the Oscar bait, Nicole Kidman, Boy Erased okay, one. Okay. I didn't see that. I tend okay. not to see those. I have been wanting to see it just to, to see it. My understanding of, like, Miseducation of Cameron Post is more for... The kids. Yes. And I feel like Boy Erased is for parents. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. It's got, for, it's got Russell Crowe in it, right? Yeah. So, well, it's basically like, this is what you're doing to your yeah, kid. Yeah, yeah. Or like, right. and and Cameron Post is more sort of, uh, it seems more, it uh, has more of a spark. It has more of a... It centers the kids entirely. Yeah. The parents and the families really fade into the background. And it's, it's like set in, I think it's Montana, somewhere upper north, like Mountain West in the early 90s. And it totally, fully, fully focuses on the kids and them realizing, like, we just need to survive this. And how are we going to do that? Like, it, the, the sort of family dynamics prior just fade away. And I really liked that. Um, it's not as funny as But I'm a Cheerleader, which was, like, one of my favorite movies in high school. It right. is not that mm-hmm. funny. There is a lot of wry humor in it. Um, so, but, like, any Girl Interrupted kind of vibe? Um, no. There's not really, because none of them are have any kind of mental illness. <laughs> they are kids who are just, like, trying to live their lives and survive, and their families have, in many ways, like, had, like, weird socially or politically expedient reasons to send them there uh and you can watch that on canopy with your library card if you (laughs) are in like a in most u.s states um and you or you have a public or academic library card um check out canopy yeah i'm excited i'm just gonna run through both because the year is not over and there are a few things um coming out and a few things that are in theaters right now yeah um so this is kind of my fomo my 2018 FOMO yeah. list. i'm gonna run through it as fast as i can yeah. um hail counting this morning this evening debut documentary feature from ramel ross it is um really takes a lot of risks it is a portrait of black southern life uh mm. that is i think a new kind of a new vision a new voice um Roma in theaters right now, Alphonse Cuaron. I've like told people to go see it and they've gone and see it and been like, this is amazing. Nobody doesn't like it. Haven't seen it. Not a single person I've talked to. Um, Border. This is the Swedish entry into the Academy Awards this year. Mm -hmm. It is now, it is at Cinema 21 until like the 20th. Um, So it may be out of theaters by the time this airs, but it's directed by Ali Abbasi. It is a kind of upta- uh, update on a Swedish folktale. Okay. Um, and it's like a romance, but also there's magical realism. Uh, it, it looks really, really good. Okay, so, um, and I'm afraid I missed this. It's playing in Seattle at Northwest Film Forum. I'm thinking about taking a day trip just to see it, which is Li Shangdong's Burning. 
based on the Murakami oh, story, Barn Burning, good. starring Steven Yun from Sorry to Bother You. Uh, it's a South Korean film. And then um, currently available online that I didn't see this year, but look amazing. The Wild Boys, French film with all women actors playing men. Mm. It's almost, it feels um, Madden-esque in a way. It's black and white and absurd and sexy Mm. and strange. Tyrell, directed by Sebastian Silva, who made Nasty Baby, starring Mm. Kristen Wiig. Tyrell is, it, it drew a lot of comparisons to Get Out. Although um, it's much more like the plumber, I would say, in it that it's like this uh, oh. relentless microaggression. Oh, uh, and it also stars Michael Sarah uh, doing what he does best. <laughs> and then um, Slice, which oh, looks really fun. Yeah. Horror, p- horror and Pizza I starring know. Chance the Rapper oh, and Zazie Beats. Right. Like, it could be really cute. Okay, all right. And then Christmas Day, uh, if you're like me and like to spend your Christmas Day going to the movies, uh, you could do a double feature of If Beale Street Could Talk, the new highly anticipated Barry Jenkins film based on a James Baldwin novel story, and Vice, uh, which is directed by the guy who did Anchorman uh, and The Big Short, uh, and stars Christian Bale as Dick Cheney. Um, Sure. <laughs> Dick Cheney by way of Batman <laughs> and Amy he Adams. He cannot do the voice. He can't. Once you hear it, it's like, but yeah. And then you're like, is Batman Dick Cheney? Because actually, that kind that of tracks. Made, yeah, that all does. the tracks. Um, <laughs> and that's uh, oh, uh, and one more Rafiki, which is a um, Kenyan film. It made some headlines because it was banned in Kenya because it is a coming of age, is a queer coming of age love story set in Nairobi looks awesome yeah. and that's my yeah and the favorite so that's my big FOMO uh, it's going to be a busy week and a half yeah <laughs> the only thing I have to add to that um, is Shoplifters which oh, was directed by Karina yes. and the director of Still Walking a lot of films I really love and it's supposed to just be like an incredible fan, like constructed family movie that I have been looking forward to and the only Cinema in town that's showing is showing it at 9:50 p.m., which is Wicca. <laughs> well, no, so I don't know. I'll have to see it at some point. Where's the grandma showing? That's what I want to know. I go to movies at 3 p.m. Like, I, I was going to say like the 9 a.m. showing. Yeah, that's me. me. I love a 3 p.m. movie. Yeah, me and the Silver Hair Club are there. We are there 40 minutes early to get our seats. <laughs> Well, something I'm looking forward to watching um, in the coming year, ASAP, is something I, it blows my mind that I've not heard about this. It's called Strange Angel. And as I was looking it up, it was like, by David Lowry and Ben Wheatley, two directors I, I admire. And David I like. Lowry. Yeah. Because he's worked with, um, oh my God, I'm totally blanking. He did like Ain't Them Body Saints. And, yes. Yeah. And like uh-huh. Saint Nick and stuff. Uh-huh. Um... And so I was like, wait, they're directing something together. I was confused. I looked it up and I was like, wait a minute, this is a series. And, and then I was like, wait a minute, this series has already happened. It's been, okay, so it's a series that was meant to be on AMC and now it's on CBS All Access. So I'm like, okay, so no one can watch it. So no one cares to watch that. Okay. So it's all oh, right. my God. <laughs> Are you Googling it right now? Uh, okay. So here's in a, okay, I'm sure you're seeing this right now. It is a show about the real-life 1940s rocket scientist, whose name I can't remember, um, that fell in with the occultist Aleister Crowley and his sex magic. 
And yeah, it's a show. Okay, that. no, no, no. Yeah. Oh, I see. Jack Parsons. The, okay, so yeah, Jack Parsons, brilliant scientist by day, yeah. mm-hmm. straight up Satanist by <laughs> yeah. night. Yeah. Um, brought to you by CBS, baby. <laughs> like what? This is so exciting. I'm obsessed. I've been obsessed with Jack Parsons. He and uh, he has a Scientology connection, which is oh. that L. Ron Hubbard moved <gasps> into right. his mansion, mm-hmm. and they were trying. I mean. They were doing rituals together to call a woman to them who would help them with this uh, ritual to create the moon child. That's right. And then Marjorie Cameron showed up one day and they were like, ding, 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 ding. Yeah, they were like, nailed it. Um, But like L. Ron Hubbard was in a corner chanting while Jack Parsons was impregnating Marjorie Cameron. Um. Again, so I, I've this. been like deep off in this jack, and I just right. love the idea of like an a like a scientist uh, who lives who like buys a mansion and just fill. He's like he like filled out a uh, ad and he was like artists, commies, <laughs> poets, uh, free love. You know, it it was like sex magicians. It's a real just, scene. Yeah, it's yeah, happening. It was a real scene. Yeah. I like. It's one of those like I was born at the wrong. <laughs> Clearly born at the wrong time. Uh, that's very exciting so, to me. I, I can't know. believe I haven't heard of this. I'm freaking yeah, out. Yeah, I know. So I don't know. I was like, really trying to bury this? CBS was like, uh-oh, this is not our brand. <laughs> so I, and I was like, I watched a trailer and I was like, and again, great directors on this. Yeah. So I'm like, all right. Yeah. Like, but I'm sure they were directing it when they thought it was going to be an AMC. Right. And so the trailer kind of looked more like Man in the High Castle kind of was that Professor Marston and Wonder Woman? Which oh, I'm like, oh, yeah. no, no. Um, so I don't, I can't attest that it's like good. It's just, it's a theme yeah. that I'm like, I'm on board for yeah. checking that out. Um, so yeah, maybe Strange Angel, maybe check it out. Hey. I don't know. Hey, let's all get CBS access <laughs> and check it out, baby. All right, you know what time it is. It's pitch perfect. It's, Don't sue us. It's it's life is a pitch and then you die. Life is a pitch, <laughs> life's a pitch, pitch and then, then you, die. you die. Yep. Thank you, Hannah, good. for yeah, that, that was Hannah's. title. And if you do please get me back to work so I'm not just punning. <laughs> just listen. ideas are flying. Listen <laughs> to this copywriting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, she's she's very high yeah. <laughs> um, So if you don't know what this is, we each bring elements unknown to one another, and we debut them for the first time, and we pitch an original idea for a film on the spot. And Hannah Ooh. is our is our lead this time. Can lead. Buckle up, Buttercups. Ooh. I'm excited. <laughs> okay, so uh, this is a this is a. <laughs> <laughs> True crime. All right. Thriller procedural with a twist. Ooh. Based on, uh, if ripped from the headlines, oh. uh, based <laughs> on a story I read in the news about sisters, nuns, sisters, uh, okay. Mary Margaret Kruiper and Lana Chang, who uh, apparently embezzled $500,000 <laughs> From a Catholic school in the L.A. Archdiocese Ooh. that they were possibly uh, gambling with <laughs> at the casinos. Hey, hey like now. one does. Sticky fingers? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. And um, I read the story and I was like, 
I mean, you don't just like embezzle $500,000 and gamble it away with your gal pal. Oh. These are lovers. Yes. These okay. are nuns on the run. <gasps> It's uh, <laughs> one of these classic nuns on the run. I'm thinking, no. I'm thinking yeah. actually, but like r- sexier. So I'm thinking like disobedience meets catch me if you can. Oh. Okay. <laughs> but with a nunny, oh, real a nunny, nunny twist. Under, an undercover. Yeah. Okay. You know, disobedience, but you know, Catholic. Right. Yeah. Not like a, Jewish. A sister act, funny. <laughs> sister yeah. act meets catch me if you can, but sexy. But sexy. Mm. And these nuns. These lover nuns, embezzling <laughs> uh, ass like. lover nuns, lover nuns. Yeah. are being tracked by a detective <gasps> who twist. <gasps> the twist is the detective is the surrendered daughter <gasps> of one of the nuns. Ooh. So the nun oh. had a child very young, gave her gave oh. her up, went into okay. the convent. I mean, chills. 30 years yes. later. Is yeah, it, she's, she's a detective, yeah. uh, and I, you know, I don't love media that glorifies uh, the profession of police officer. <laughs> right. However, we're making a we're making an exception. We're going for an Olivia Benson figure for sure. Okay. She's for sure, yeah, okay. but younger. Olivia younger. Benson, but younger. Okay. So my my star okay. is uh, is who would play the detective? Okay, uh, and. Uh, now I'm realizing that uh, she's already played a detective. Uh, so it's Kristen Ritter, Sagittarius Supreme. Oh. Uh, you may know her from Breaking Bad. You may know her from Don't Trust the Don't Trust Bee. the Bee. Very Sagittarius role. Like <laughs> I love peak Sagittarius. That, it's a very love that role. I actually, yeah, liked that show a lot more than I thought I would. I really and Kristen Ritter is that is it? Um, she was also uh, basically rep- she's basically the role she played on Gilmore Girls, but grown up. Okay. Uh, but then, yeah. then she was Jessica Jones. Right. <laughs> Detective Jessica yeah. Jones. Yeah. But I love, I mean, I loved her turn in Jessica Jones because it, she nailed it uh, and really brought that character to life. But I love her at her, like, f- like glib mm-hmm, uh, peak. Uh, so I would love to see her bring that to a role like this. Uh, I'm a big fan of hers, so I thought of her yeah. for that. She needs uh, that star turn. That's she needs a I'm star turn. For. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, Cynthia, is it Arivo or Arivo? Oh. Oh, wait, Tony Award winning. Grammy Award winning. Mm-hmm. She's halfway to an EGOT. Okay. And by the way, was Bad Times at the El, at the El Royale is a not a good Don't movie. Don't watch it except for her. Yeah, yeah. she she is the best part far mm-hmm. and away yeah. of that movie. And yeah. she's incredible in Widows. In Widows. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Should she, she be on like that. the good nun on the inside? We okay, that's true. We don't have to be, yeah. If she's like a, like a, okay. she becomes, she befriends, Maybe, like okay. Kristen Ritter befriends She's the, in, this is the inside man, she's inside nun. Okay, and so, that's true. Okay. So that's all. I, that's all I got. My, so, and let's see how she fits in once we get your. So my my wild card, and this is just something that I want to see at some point. Is I think it works really well, especially if they're gambling. I want an extended split screen sequence in there. Okay. So maybe yes. it's like oh. Kristen Ritter Ooh. is like searching. Through. She's going through the monastery or yeah, the convent. The convent. <laughs> and they're going through the casino. They're going through the <gasps> casino. They're, they've Ooh. got the cash. She is, yeah. Okay. Like that's what they, I think no, is great track. They're passing the plate. Do they pass the plate in Catholic or is that just in like Baptist churches or whatever? Okay, sorry. My church is by atheist. Okay, I don't I'm, know. I'm, I'm asking other people. Okay, so my church back in the old days, yeah. they would pass the plate around 
Okay, so I don't know if they do that in Catholic churches. Let's just say that they do, because this would be a great shot of split screen. Passing the plate, and well, they have like, they they would do it in the convent, though. They I don't think the they take it. But there's, Unless like, a whole thing about money. renunciation, and, okay. like, maybe that's, like, an extended talk about, like, when we become nuns, we renounce all worldly possessions. Oh, they're and taking we renounce, vows. And they're taking their vows, and then it's, okay. like, split screen with the, mm. um, the nuns in the casino. I just came up with the title. Okay. Bad habits. <laughs> Bad habits. Bad habits. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm getting chills. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm sad. I can't. Wait. I have to watch this movie in my own, my own mind. I know. Well, I love the. Um, this is like a weird, spoofy medieval one, but I loved the. What is the Aubrey Plaza? Oh, uh, Little hours. Little hours. Yeah. I really thought that little was very hours. funny. So yeah, there could be a little. I'm comedy. into nuns. Oh yeah, I didn't yeah. see that. It's very good. It's pretty enjoyable. Do we have anyone in mind for the nuns? The nuns. I thought, well, I mean, this goes, uh, I I was thinking Julia Binoche would yeah. be age appropriate oh. to be Kristen okay. Ritter's mother. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that would, I feel like that's a believable mm-hmm. on screen. Yeah. That's not the, you know, the resemblance. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also, uh, I mean, Julia Binoche is amazing. Uh, and she's she stars in High Life, which is one of my most anticipated movies of 2019. It's Claire Denis' English language mm-hmm. debut, also starring Robert Pattinson. And then uh, Sandra Oh. Oh, oh honey. For Lana Chang. Yes. Who I think would be great as a... Um, like I can see how well on her face the like the moral conflict yeah. would play with like the gambling word. and the love, but then being like, oh, but I did actually. Take she and she's yeah. so like likable, and yeah. then you, yeah, you could see the conflict. Yeah. On her face. Ooh, like being being interrogated or like interviewed detective style by Kristen Ritter. I think that would be a great dynamic mm. to watch. Does right? Kristen like, Ritter know? Or does she oh, find yeah, out? Does she, does she know that Julia Binoche is her? She does not know. Or, okay, not I was gonna say, did they okay. or did they get off and then she know? You find out she knows, or she finds out. Then like, what? She's my mom. After she might. Okay. Yeah, at some okay. point, there's got to be a yeah. yeah a reveal. Reveal. When she's there's when she's doing her like when she's in the archives and she's trying to find like, what? yeah when she's okay. in maybe the convent's archives she yeah finds who are some these pe- yeah who are these women yeah what is yeah. their story how did what they is their come story here? yeah she's yeah. in the convent she looks up the record and she's like she gave up child yeah she looks at the baby picture she's like wait that's, that's my baby, baby picture that's from the remember that from the album yeah. <laughs> uh the other i mean i have a bonus pitch cuz i am extra oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. i'm always doing too much <laughs> i love it <laughs> it's my personal brand doing too much well, uh, so on actually on Lars's recommendation, I listened to this CBC podcast from about a year ago called Uncover Escaping Nexium. Oh, yeah. So and Nexium is a multi-level marketing cult <laughs> uh, run uh, run by Keith Raniere and um, Nancy Salzman. They are and uh, uh, Allison Mack, who is on Smallville for ten years as a prominent member. She was sort of the Tom the Tom Cruise. Of yeah, Nexium yeah. was for him for Scientology, but they were all arrested on some really intense charges, including human trafficking, sex trafficking, coerced labor, uh, racketeering. Um, <laughs> what even is that? The whole, and I could, yeah. I could literally the amount of uh, research I've done on Nexium in the past week and a half uh, oh. is so staggering <laughs> and stupid that I could literally talk about it for an hour. But what I found really interesting about one of the one of the many things is that Nexium did recruit successfully a lot of these genre TV actresses. So not just Alison oh. Mack, but two actresses from Battlestar Galactica, Nikki wow. Klein and um, Grace Park, who plays Boomer, 
Um, Nikki Klein, who plays, I can't remember her name, but she uh, she's one of the main main characters. And Sarah Edmondson, uh, who is on many, she's on many things um, in many roles. And um, Jen Kobelt, who's also an actress. And so I thought it would be really weird to do like a Kate plays Christine style mm. experimental documentary like where close up and Kristen Crook. Kind of- also, who uh, was on Smallville. So, like, get all these actresses that escaped Nexium to act in the movie mm, the about Nexium. Yeah. And then it, like, follows them off set and being like, I can't, like, talking about, like, I can't believe this. Ha-. Like, go real meta with yeah. it. Yeah. Mm. Um, but also, I'm really excited to, I really hope uh, that there's some, some juicy trial coverage mm. because it's going to go off. We've got <laughs> suburban MILFs branding each other in <laughs> upstate New York basements. We've got Seagram's gin heiresses. We've got... It's so uh, like goop. It's just it like... Is. It's yeah, goop it adjacent. Is. Yeah, it's goop adjacent. out of control. I did watch the SVU episode. What? <laughs> about, there is an SVU episode that's ripped from the headlines ripped about next Oh, my. Oh, yeah. So please do watch that. Okay, right. Oh yeah. my, Olivia Benson. That was this season, <laughs> season twenty or whatever. Oh, oh, wow. <laughs> I'm looking that up. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, if you like what you hear, first of all, every film person we mention article we always drop a link in the episode notes so i've had a few people mention to me that they are like googling things for people listening you don't need to do that you can just click on the link in the episode notes that's good to know because i have historically been one of those <laughs> one of those uh, two listeners yes. okay, yes. 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 so <laughs> i'm telling you in person and i'm telling you <laughs> <Yeah>. i'm recording <laughs> you can just check out those episode notes and we've got the links in there for you um and if you continue uh, exploring us in your podcast app, you can leave us a rating or review and subscribe to keep up with us. I'm not talking to you specifically, Hannah. I'm just making eye contact <laughs> you other, with you right both now. Both of you that are listening, <laughs> yeah. the other two. Um, I and feel compelled. If we mention something that jogs one of your own movie memories, or we totally skipped one of your favorites of 2018, or if you have a couple elements you want us to riff on in Pitch Generator, which I actually have received a few of those, will be... We're pushing out over the next few eps. Um, whatever it is, you can email us at storyboardpod at gmail. You can slide into our DMs at Instagram at storyboardpodcast or Twitter at storyboard underscore pod. And you can let us know if we can use your name in the message. But also don't <laughs> message them about Suspiria because... It's closed. It's a closed. <laughs> yeah, we got to move on with that. We have done We all have to move on with our lives. Let it go. Let it go. Just right. watch Inferno. <laughs> That's also on Canopy. I, we're, not, we're not being sponsored by Canopy. <laughs> but <laughs> get that library card. Get that get library, library card. card no. <laughs>I did like how often they said cunt in the favorite. I have to say, I was a big fan I'm of that. To it was just see where this is, see where Ooh. that. And I was like, this is what I'm trying. This is how I'm trying this to live is, my life. It's that British <laughs> kind of this way. This is what I would call the cuntiest of Yorgos Lesbos' <laughs> <Lesbos's> movies. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs>